It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 21, the Deion Sanders edition of the podcast. Primetime Sanders was pretty well the last of a dying breed, the two-sport athlete. He, of course, was a dynamic cornerback and kick return man in the NFL, but he also played in the MLB and was a part of the Atlanta Braves World Series losing team to the Blue Jays in 1992. You're a real man, Dion. Sadly, the two-sport athlete like him and Bo Jackson are long gone. Kyler Murray, who was drafted first overall by the Arizona Cardinals last year, he could have done it because he was also picked ninth overall by the Oakland Athletics the year before that. That's insane. Uh, what a stud of an athlete for sure. Unfortunately, he decided to stick to just one sport. I'm super fired up to have on my next guest. I had his co-host Jay Onright on episode 13 of the H-Dog Pod, and now I'm bringing on the other half of the dynamic duo. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, and now welcome on a very special guest. You know him as one of the hosts from the Jay and Dan show on TSN. He's been entertaining the masses for years with his sharp wit and unique brand of comedy, and he's the proud owner of Ron the Cat, Dan O'Toole. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod. Hound Dog, what up? Uh, when did you join TSN? I started uh, as an intern in January of 2006. I was uh, I just turned 20. 2006, yeah. Yeah. I did. Okay, so yeah, I, I got there four years before you, so that's how long we've known each other. Uh, it's, cra- it's crazy how time flies, eh? Like, Thanks for uh, taking the time to call me during self-isolation because uh, I don't know about you, but I, I've spent more time talking to people on the phone than I have in the last... 30 years. Absolutely. I, I was saying this in some previous podcasts. I feel it's bringing people closer together almost this pandemic. I definitely have uh, Zoomed some people I probably wouldn't have. Uh, no offense to them. Uh, otherwise, uh, through this pandemic, and uh, it, it is pretty a uh, wild world uh, we're living in uh, right now. That's for sure. Uh, I can't wait to, uh, until all this is over. I never have to take part in a Zoom call again in my life. <laughs> Not a fan of the, the Zooms, eh? No, I'd rather talk to people in person and then you're waiting. People are all talking over each other and then there's way too many people. And then usually it happens at night and people are having cocktails. So then it gets even worse. And then I just, I just Irish exit all the time. I just leave. Oh, that's a class. Uh, that's funny you say it. Cause I do that classic move a lot. It, well, when we used to be uh, in pubs in different places like that, man, the mad time. I, and I don't even consciously necessarily do it. I just, and there's, there's always a point where it's just like, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. I don't care. I want to sleep. Just bye. What I do is I leave the screen, and then my seat is empty for like 20 minutes, and then I just slip my arm in and turn it off. <laughs> that's, that's such a classic move. Yeah, those Zoom calls are, are good, but yeah, it's so tough when you have like multiple people talking because everyone's talking over each other, and then there's, of course, there's like a half-second delay, and ugh, I, I find it very frustrating. That's, uh, that is for sure. Uh, and you know what? I tweeted this out the other day, Hound Dog. Um, so all I cry at like Sidney Crosby, Tim Hortons commercials. I cry at all the military uh, uh, dads and moms coming back and surprising their kids. You know what I'm not ready for? All the post-quarantine videos of like grandparents hugging their grandkids that they'd never met yet because they were born during quarantine. Of uh, <laughs> siblings or something uh, hugging each other from another country. I'm not ready for those. I'm going to be a mess. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, that's very true. I, I mentioned off the top, yeah. uh, Ron the Cat, the breakout star of the at-home edition of SC with Jay and Dan, presented by McDonald's. Uh, how are you liking doing the shows from home, and uh, is Ron getting a bit of a big head after this uh, instant fame? <laughs> so the shows from home, um, like I tell everyone, the commute is great. 
I have to go upstairs, put my suit on, and walk down the stairs. So that's good. The access to water is great because um, my broadcast location is right in front of my kitchen sink. So I'm always hydrated. Mm-hmm. And Ron, Ron finds it strange because the only time I ever sit in front of the sink um, where he can like walk up to me is when I'm doing the show. So he finds it very odd, and that's the only time he ever climbs up there. Because people are like, why do you let him on your counter? I'm like, I don't, but he now knows I can't swat him off because I'm doing something. And plus, if I swatted him off, then people would be like, why are you swatting your cat? <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's great. Yeah, he's been uh, entertaining. I just love how pretty much every single shot, he just like, as soon as it starts... There's Ron walking right in behind you. It's uh, it's amazing. All day, all day long, he's like sitting in the sun, sitting on windowsills. As soon as I power up uh, the device uh, to do the show, turn the light on, boom, there he is. <laughs> now, I, actually, I wonder if uh, Ron the Cat will get one of his uh, own Instagram accounts. Are you a fan of people who uh, have uh, Instagram accounts with their pets, or does that drive you insane? My daughter, Sydney, she has a Ron and Ginny Instagram account already. And, um, yeah, she started this a few months ago. So she keeps telling me I should put it out during the show. I wouldn't say it right now, but I don't even know what it is. I think it's like Ron and Ginny or something. But she's already got like 250 followers. So Ron's pretty popular on the uh, Instagram. (laughs) I follow a few different animals on Instagram as well. And I'm always like, what am I actually doing here? But uh, they are cute, of course. So I'm sure... Pretty soon, Ron will uh, surpass me and Cameron Glenn and, and uh, all the uh, other people on uh, Jane Dan show in popularity without question. Well, you should send uh, a picture and then um, we can put it on the Ron and Jeannie account. They said, this is our other animal friend, Hound Dog. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I look disheveled with my uh, crazy beard and uh, insanely long hair, so it would be, uh, be pretty funny. Uh, that's for sure. I was get, I was about to get my hair cut in like Wait, two days. Wait, are you growing a are you growing a quarantine beard as well? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, nice work. Tell us your career path and how you got uh, how you got to eventually work at TSN and with Jay uh, specifically all the time. How did I end up working with him? Well, it was during the last lockout. Um, I was working on weekends, so when I came there in two thousand two, I was put on weekends, and then um, during the lockout, Blake Price who used to work on the 10 o'clock show with Darren Detition, he uh, moved back to Vancouver with his wife and growing family, which meant there was a spot open on the 10 o'clock show. And that spot was given to Jennifer Hedger, who was working the 2 a.m. edition uh, Monday to Friday with uh, On Right. So she got bumped up, and I got the call from the bullpen. They said, Dan, you're going off weekends once the lockout is over. That lockout lasted a long time. <laughs> yeah. um, so... Uh, eventually we got there. So, uh, yeah, I was paired with Jay and, um, that was what, 2004. So we've been paired together, uh, since then. Yeah. It's crazy how long the time flies. And Jay was 2001, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it is wild. I was thinking the other day about how the PGA championship Tiger won in 2000, 20 years ago. And it's like, how the heck did time fly so crazy? It's it's insane, and and the and the um, clothing choices change as you see in the um, yeah. the Michael Jordan uh, Last Dance documentary. So baggy, oh Those my clothes. god! Like, <laughs> how is there not more um, like uh, clutching and grabbing in basketball since the jerseys were so big? If Michael Jordan, some of those suits he was wearing as well, I was just like, how was this ever acceptable? I, it just blows my mind. It's insane. <laughs> I don't get it. But I bet you, at the time, everyone was like, "Oh man, I want that suit." 
Oh well, especially if MJ is wearing it, uh, no doubt about they, it. That's so for sure. My only, uh, my only um, criticism of the documentary is just skipping all over the the calendar. Like I'm like, where are we? Right. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Have you ever been uh, really angry with Jay on right? Has there ever been a time where you guys were just like toe to toe? No. That's the funny thing is we've never had like an argument or anything. That's why our partnership has worked great. And people always ask that, like, well. So you guys are you guys friends off camera and you work with us you know we are so uh, it, it would be tough it'd be tough to work with someone side by side for how long are we going on here 16, 16 17 years if you didn't get along so thank God we do because it would be hell going into work every day oh absolutely I can't even imagine yeah no you guys are obviously a great tandem and uh, so thankful I've been back on the show or and I, we did a, a bit a couple of years ago uh, where you jokingly had to slap me. And I fell over and it hurt like hell. Find those coyotes! Ah! What's that now? Were you using that opportunity to end my life because you hate me? Uh... No, no, because we checked with you. We're like, should we hit? He goes, yes, hit me. You're the one. <laughs> and then the next time the next time it was supposed to happen, Tim told me, you are supposed to make no contact. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it's so funny because the first time that happened, uh, you obviously hit me. And it, and it hurt. And that's fine. That's part of the bit. But I, I, was, I wasn't even thinking, and I fell, I guess, the wrong way for wh- the way you hit me. And, and, I, and people were like, oh, you should have fallen in the, you know, the opposite direction. I'm like, if I fell in the opposite direction, I would have been falling right into the set. And I might have broken some teeth. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want double the, uh, the pain, that's for sure. Oh, man. So you've taken, uh, you've taken a part in a lot of uh, the show bits. Uh, so you've drank honey, correct? Uh, yep, after the sports syrup. Yeah, you the sports sports syrup. You drank honey. Um, you've uh, got hit in the uh, the testicles by a football. Um, Thrown by producer Tim. In the face. Yeah. So, what has been the worst one that you've been a part of, and which one has been the best one? I guess the slapping is the worst. Well, it's the worst, but it's also kind of the best because that that was so funny. Especially with the blood curdling scream I had, uh, I actually uh, I really did yeah. like that one. It was worth the pain, that's for sure. the The funny one, the actually uh, uh, worst slash best is when cameraman Glenn uh, apparently I didn't get his lunch order correctly, and he uh, threw quote acid in my eyes, and then I doubled over in pain on that one. I love that one so much, but yeah, my parents were not too thrilled with that one. They thought uh, they're like, "What if someone actually doesn't like you?" And they actually did take that opportunity to throw acid in your eyes. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I'm that dislikable. At least I hope. First off, where would someone have access to acid? <laughs> Good question. Uh, and I messed it up. You didn't drink honey. You drank maple syrup, sports syrup. That's my bad. Yeah. I I blew it. You that's blew it. Uh, that's one for you. Blew it. <laughs> uh, speaking of you, blew it. What what was the origin behind that? Like, uh, who first saw that? Hound dog, because we're lazy broadcasters, as you know. Um, after we finish our live show, again, we used to do them. We used to go live at 2 a.m. Um, then it got moved to nowhere now. It was at 1 o'clock before we went to L.A., and now we're at midnight, so we're gradually going up. Um, but we did it at uh, the earliest stage, and the only reason was because we didn't want to fix our errors. Because if you have to go back and fix an item in the show, at the time, you'd have to do an entire block of television. Sometimes they're 15 to 20 minutes. So we're like... But it's that small stack. Can we not just say we messed up at the end? <laughs> Finally, producer Tim um, relented and said, okay. And it uh, 
Jay gave birth to the You Blew It segment, so we wouldn't have to go back and fix those errors. We just do it at the end and get the hell out of there. <laughs> That's great. I was actually talking to the guy who first did the, he was working um, graphics for the first You Blew It show, and he was telling me, Matt Doherty, and he was telling me that uh, he really blew the You Blew It uh, font the first time, and it was just a catastrophe uh, of errors. I wish I could have seen that, but he can't, uh, he doesn't know where it, where it exists on YouTube, but that would have been funny to see you guys blowing the You Blew It. <laughs> yeah. we, we actually brought it down when we went to L.A. as well. And then our bosses are like, why would you ever admit that you made a mistake? And I'm like, because we did. They're like, nope. So that only lasted for a, a couple months, and they told us we couldn't do it anymore. Ah, that, I think, honestly, I think it's funny. I mean, uh, Andrew Zwarch and I, we like to uh, uh, collaborate on uh, those You Blew It's. And I like to we, – we sometimes we give you guys a bit, a bit of a tough time just because it's fun to say uh, – you know, things that you guys blew. <laughs> yeah. Or even if it was so inconsequential, then you guys can be like, oh, that's nothing. What are they talking about? So uh, I love that segment. I think, I think it's hilarious. Andrew Zwarich, also known, a lot of uh, your listeners probably know him better as Z Money, um, an emerging rap star. <laughs> From the schwa. He's always the one that they show the quick second of, uh, uh, at the end of the show, compiling <laughs> the list of you blew it. He's a great guy for sure. Uh, now, you mentioned producer Tim, but do you have a favorite uh, producer Tim story? My favorite, easily, is when we used to do the uh, the craft tour, where we'd go to a different location every second day in eastern or western Canada, and then the other crew would uh, do vice versa. They'd be in eastern or western Canada, so you'd alternate shows, go all over Canada, doing them from places like Estevan, from Armstrong, B.C., um, and you travel by bus with the entire crew to these stops. So we had two buses. One was a really fun bus, and then if you wanted to sleep or read or something, you'd go on the other one. So, of course, you go on the fun bus. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one night we're sitting in the back, and we're, uh, we're all having a drink on the couch, and producer Tim said, oh, I want to show you something on my iPad. So he went to lean it against the, uh, the window in the back. Uh, turns out there was no screen in the window, so Tim's iPad fell out a uh, window of a bus <laughs> that was traveling at approximately 120 kilometers an hour. <laughs> He immediately hit the emergency stop button. (laughs) Um, The bus driver's like, what the hell's going on? He's like, my iPad. (laughs) So we went out in the middle of a a highway in rural Canada looking for an iPad. We eventually found one piece with a big tire mark over it. So (laughs) that iPad said bye-bye. Oh, man, that's hilarious. I did not know that story. Someone had the crazy idea. They're like, let's start a collection for Tim so we can get him a new iPad. I'm like... I'd love an iPad. Can you start a collection for me too? <laughs> did he ever? Did he ever get that iPad? How much was the money uh, that they gave? No, I, I said no chance. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Uh, what was your favorite place that you went to on those craft tours that uh, TSN did? Well, I mentioned one of them, Estevan, Saskatchewan. Um, it was. I think everyone in town was there. There was about three to four thousand people there for our show on the hottest day of the year. They closed down Main Street, and I always tell this story. So we're up on the stage before the show. They're they're looking at the shot. The director's up there. Everyone's up there, and they're like, ah, that stop sign. It's gonna you're gonna see that in the shot. But uh, oh well, we'll just deal with it. Without a word of a lie, within ten minutes, we hear a like a chainsaw, and then metal cutting. 
that stop sign was cut down by the city crew of Estevan because they didn't want it in the shot. We don't know if they ever put the stop sign back up, but they cut it down so it would not be in the shot. They didn't go to city council. They didn't ask the mayor. They just cut it. Hello? Oh, did Dan dropped out? Hello? Hello? Oh, yeah, you cut out there for a sec. That was weird. Oh, I'm not even moving. Oh, strange. So, yeah, you said they, 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 cut, the, they cut the stop sign down? Yep, they cut it down. We don't know if they ever put it back up, but uh, Estevan, because of their... Uh... Ah, cut it again. Oh, man, must be in a... In a I think uh, Dan told me uh, before this podcast he was going from Peterborough to Orono, so he must be in uh, some back Here. pockets. Oh, you're back. Hang on, hang on. Maybe I'm parked in the uh, <laughs> library. That's great the Orono Library. I'm turning around here. <laughs> I, I okay. can hear you now. We're good. Okay. Uh, you got me now? Oh, yeah. Big time. So, yeah, Orono, you live there. Uh, what what brought you to Orono? Whoa. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> oh, man, this is good stuff. Hello? You got me? Yeah, yeah, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I wasn't even moving. Technology. Technology drives me insane. Holy crap. Now, I, I said uh, you're from Orono. What what brought you to Orono originally? Or not, you're not from there, but you live there. Uh, yeah, I live uh, in Orono. If anyone knows E, well, south, are we south central? We're on the way to Ottawa. If you've ever driven from Toronto to Ottawa on the 401, um, You've driven by a sign that tells you that's where Orono is. It's off the 115 on the way to Peterborough, which is my hometown. And I moved back here. didn't want to live in the city. Uh, my girls and I, we wanted to live out in the country. And we, we walked into this house that wasn't even on the market. It was a friend of a friend's. And they said, we're thinking of buying. And as soon as we walked through it, we said, okay, how much? It wasn't a good negotiation on our part. But... Um, we we got the house we wanted, so that's how we wound up in little old Orno, Ontario. Which, uh, which by the way, quarantine or no quarantine, Orno is the same amount of traffic and the same amount of people walking around, uh, no matter what. It's you would think it's quarantine year round every year. That's funny. I'm from a small town, Ironprior, which I always tell people, oh yeah, I'm, I'm from near Ottawa. Yeah, I'm assuming no one's ever going to know Ironprior, so I do love the small town vibe. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, I always yeah. say like, oh yeah, uh, small town near Ottawa, and there's like, oh where? And I say Armpire, and it's amazing how many people actually know that place. It uh, it always surprises me, that's for sure. Yep, Armpire, everyone would know that. All the I my favorite spot on the way to Ottawa is Perth because we'd always stop at the Dairy Queen there. Oh yeah, Perth is uh, that's a fun spot for sure. Now I was on your podcast with Jay on the March third episode, and uh, we tried that miracle water from Peter Popoff that was supposed to bring us riches if we drank it. Uh, did it work for you? Because I got nada. Uh, Hound Dog, not sure if you noticed. You know what it brought us? Uh, self-isolation. Everything <laughs> went to true. crap as soon as we drank that water. <laughs> that is true. A good point. So we're to blame. Yeah, you know what I got? So, um, yeah, the Peter Popoff Ministries. I I was watching him one night when I couldn't sleep, and I always like going on these, uh, these preachers' uh, channels that they have going on all hours of the night, and I'm like, what is the catch? Because they didn't ask for any money. Uh, so uh, I called in, put in my info, and they sent me holy water. And then the the, the scam was send me, what was it, $31 or 37 Something like that, yeah. It was a, cer- 
yeah, it was a certain uh, amount of money that they want us to send. And then I didn't send that, but they sent another piece of mail recently, and it was um, uh, Eucharist in there. So they've sent what? water and Eucharist, like from uh, church, like the host. Oh, so man. they wanted me. So they sent me water to consume and food to consume. I did not consume the food after they had already screwed things up by sending us the water. And again, if someone sends you uh, like a vinegar packet size uh, thing of water in the mail, don't drink it. We did. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you said it. you're right. The uh, global pandemic happened after that. I remember after I had that, maybe about. Uh, 30 seconds afterwards, it might have been more of like a mental thing almost. I remember just being like, oh, no, I don't feel well at all here. Like, I, I was like, oh, no, this is bad. Like, it was really, really funny for, it was about maybe like for about 10, 15 seconds, and I went back to normal. But, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, probably best not to uh, consume random liquids that uh, are sent through the mail. And if we look back um, at the dates, because the Rudy Gobert stuff went down on a Wednesday, I believe we did that on the Monday. Like it was two days later, if not maybe a week and two days later. But it was within two days or a week of us consuming that. So it was very, very much in line with uh, when everything just went to crap on that Wednesday night. Now, I know uh, on your pod with Jay, you uh, hate distasteful would-you-rather questions. Uh, but I have one for you that's a, a tasteful one. That's, a, that's actually a sports-related one. That's not a gross, disgusting one. If you uh, ever get a chance to listen to JNM pods, some of those would you rather's are just outrageously <laughs> disgusting. This is a, this is a normal. Yes. One. Thank so, you. Okay. So I thought about this. Would you rather be a, a a fan of a team that won one championship, but then they largely were brutal ever since? Like you could maybe say like the Hurricanes up until last year, or I know the Marlins won twice, but let's just say the Marlins won the one, and then they were a horrible team for like twenty years. But you say you could say you won a championship. Or would you rather be the fan of the team that's always there every year, like the Sharks or the Predators, but never gets over the hump? No, because when you have a championship and you've paid money to see that team in the championship year, or you have season tickets, or you've devoted so much time into watching this team, there is a payoff with the championship. Uh, If you're always good, it seems like it's a waste of money. say, well, what am I wasting my money on for this team? What am I wasting my time on this team for when they can never finish it off so yes i'd easily go with one championship and 20 years of suckiness as opposed to always there but not there interesting you say that because i mean i guess i have a different perspective because the seahawks did win a super bowl thankfully if they'd lost all three of their appearances i probably would have had a different viewpoint but i think i might actually take the uh you're always there but never finishing because at least you have a you're invested every year you're interested in the team Marlins fans, what do they have to look forward to for the next forever, you know? Okay, well, yeah, other part of the question, do you know during this, so let's say it's a 20-year span, if you know ahead of time, um, hang on, I have an alarm going off here. Um, if you, So say it's a 20-year time span, if you know ahead of time that your team's never going to win a championship, and at the on the other side of the coin, you know ahead of time that you're going to win a championship with the other team in the 19 years of suckiness, then you have to make your decision, knowing the results beforehand. But you don't know which year you're going to win the championship. Well, that's okay. So it's going to be one of the, it's going to be one of those years of the twenty. But of the twenty years of really good teams and no championship, you really have nothing to look forward to. Hmm. 
That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Again, obviously, it must. Be, yeah, maybe you do take the championship just because it is kind of cool to say you finally have the uh, the championship and you finally won. One final question: I'll get uh, get you out of here on this, uh, Dan. You are uh, obviously a big Blue Jays fan, as am I. Your favorite Blue Jays teams, I believe, are like in the mid '80s. Uh, That's my favorite team, the '85 Jays. The first year they won a pennant. So your favorite team was uh, won the pennant before I was even born. <laughs> two two months before I was even born. And you love Garth Orridge. Uh, he's a bit before my time. What what about him was so awesome that you loved him? <laughs> it's going to sound weird saying this. I love Garth Orridge because you looked at him and you're like, this guy has no business being in the majors, but he carved out a good career. He was like, if this guy can make the team, I think I can make the team. <laughs> he gave like just blue-collar guys hope that there is a chance of going to the majors and sticking around if you've got a good work ethic and if you have one of the craziest batting stances in the history of baseball. If you, it, It's tough to find, but there are a few clips of Garth Orge on YouTube. Just put in Garth Orge uh, batting stance um, because I, I don't know how he generated any power, but I remember watching him um, whenever he'd get a hit or a home run or something and I grew up on a farm, and I'd be watching an afternoon baseball game. I'd go running out, telling my siblings, telling my parents. They'd be like, what the hell? Who cares? But, yeah, I just loved him because of uh, his uniqueness and the fact that he wasn't an everyday player because he always had to platoon with Rance Mullenix at third base. Wow, Rance. It sounds like uh, Garth Orge was the Muninori Kawasaki almost before, but maybe a little bit better because Kawasaki certainly was you know, the, the cult hero for a couple of years in Toronto. Yeah, but uh, Garth, I, he wasn't a boisterous guy like that. He was just a put-your-head-down-and-work-hard kind of guy. So, um, yeah, and one of the best last names. If you see it, it's spelled I-O-R-G. How would you even say that if you came across I guess I-O-R-G. I-O-R-G, yeah, Garth I-O-R-G would be my guess for sure. Yeah. I, that's a fun fact about Kawasaki. His only home run, I believe his only home run ever in Major League Baseball, uh, it was against the Orioles. I was at that game. It was a Friday night. And the the place literally erupted like uh, the the Blue Jays had just won the World Series. Like, it's crazy how uh, popular that, that guy was. Uh, I have a funny story about uh, a moment that I was there for. Um, took my nephew way back when to uh, a Blue Jays game. Beautiful day, roof open, and it was J.P. Aaron Sevia's debut. Oh, I was at that game too. And, ah, that's hilarious. And so, the Brandon Morrow well, game like, the next game where he had won it from the no-hitter. I was at that game the next day as well. Wow. Yeah. So we were about my nephew's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, well, Aaron Sebia, he's about to have his first at bat here. I'm like, let's just watch this home run. Didn't he hit like two or three home runs that day? Two home runs and a double. He was going to the Hall of Fame after that game, it seemed like. <laughs> I know. So we were there to watch it. The place went nuts for that, too. Oh, man. Yeah. And like I mentioned, the next day I was at the Brandon Morrow game within one out of a no hitter. And I was there with a bunch of friends, my family friends from Niagara, the Reesers. And I think it was the fifth inning or so. Laura's like, uh, she goes, uh, is, he hasn't given up any hits yet, has he? And we're like, oh, no, why'd you say that? And, of course, she didn't jinx him right away because he went, all, like I said, all the way to the ninth inning. But we never let her forget the fact that she screwed over what would have been the second no-hitter in Blue Jays history. I don't know if you saw the trailer, but there's a, a documentary coming out on Roy Halladay, which is going to blow the hinges off uh, his life. I, I did see that trailer late last night, actually, and like I, I almost cried. It was, it was crazy. Like it, obviously, that's the intent that it worked. Uh, man, what a career he had, and just, it's just so tragic and sad. Uh, obviously, how it all ended. Yeah, uh, my favorite Roy Halladay moment because uh, 
he was on some pretty shady teams, but he was always a good pitcher was, Oh, this was the, in the Vernon Wells days. And for some strange reason, the Jays were in the mix, but they had a, a big series in Boston. And had they swept the series, they would like have a shot at like being in the playoff hunt, but they needed to like sweep. And they were, uh, I think it, Halliday was pitching a shutout. He was into the ninth inning. Um, Someone was on second. He gives up a single. He's running back to cover home, gets to Vernon. Vernon overruns the ball. And the look at Halliday's face was, that's why I love him. Because he, usually pitchers like put their glove over their face, but he, he was enraged <sighs> that there was no play at the plate. He's like, what the F? And I'm like, that was the culmination of Halliday's time in Toronto. Just like, Somebody help me out here. Yeah, it's it is sad that in his tenure in Toronto, they never could field a team around him that was good enough. Because Matt, well, we saw him with the Phillies in the playoffs, uh, pitching a, a no hitter. It would have been so cool, but oh, what an unbelievable talent! And yeah, the, if you get a chance, that doc I can't remember. Oh, it's uh, imperfect, I believe, is the document documentary name. Uh, I think it comes out in a few weeks. Uh, that looks like it'll be fantastic, uh, no doubt. I'm looking forward to all the uh, the uh, former competitors talking about him i i could listen to hitters all day talk about facing roy halliday because every one of them hated it they said they he was like literally on top of you it felt like yeah he's a absolutely incredible talent my goodness well dan thank you uh for taking the time to be on the podcast and uh hopefully uh, i could actually be in studio with you guys uh working on some shows uh, sometime soon Yes, from a safe distance um we can't wait to get back to the studio and see you and i can't wait to uh to cause you nightmares by asking you for a stat seven seconds before I ask for, or before I need it. So I, I, I need to get back to that. Yeah, those are fun. Cause, uh, I remember a year, a couple years ago. Yeah. Yes. Cause Teoscar Hernandez was, was a new blue Jay. And you were like, uh, has there ever been, been any other Teoscars in baseball? And I was, you know, feverishly <laughs> trying to Google that. Of course, every time Teoscar Hernandez popped up, I should have thought to quickly go to baseball reference because it shows all the Teoscars ever, but I was, I love uh, those panic states though, because it's, it's one of those deals where it's tough. It's really tough to pull off. But when you do, oh, yeah, it's the, the rush. I love it so much. Yes, it's great. And we found out he was the only Teoscar, right? That's right. Yep. The only Teoscar ever to play Major League Baseball. Kind of crazy. Thank you so much, Dan, and appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hound dog, stay safe. Um, wash your hands. Wipe your bum. Super fun talking to Dan O'Toole there. It was great discussing a myriad, good word, of topics with him. Uh, and I love with his phone cutting out there, that was comedy gold. I'm sure it's going to be great. It sounded like he was like an alien at one point, and then his phone cut out completely for you know five seconds or whatever, or maybe even more than that, actually. It was uh, very entertaining. Loved hearing about his uh, career at TSN and how he came uh, to work with uh, Jay and uh, producer Tim. And, of course, his cat, Ron, is an absolute beauty. As we said, the star of the at-home edition of uh, Sports Center with Jay and Dan presented by McDonald's. Thank you so much for listening to episode 21 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang. 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 Oh, I joined in 2002. Um, December of 2002. So we're uh, four years uh, exactly apart in 20. Yeah, it's a, it's a long time. <laughs> Damn this. Oh, man, this audio is just... Uh, Sounds like you're like underwater or something. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> it makes no sense. That is a big town.
No, it's actually it's actually worse. <laughs> oh God. <laughs>